asking. <laughs> Can you hear me? My voice is clear? Yeah, I think so. I think, I think so. I think so. I think so. Yeah, I'm really pleased to be here, really, really pleased. Uh, I thank uh, Pastor Emmanuel for letting me come after seven years. <laughs> um, I'm here with my <laughs> Varun. <laughs> Was soll ich euch begrüßen? Ich sag schon, ich grüße euch das Seife. Ich hab das gesagt. <laughs> I've just said something. <laughs> yeah. That's my teacher. So I should say, ich begrüße euch ganze, mit ganzem Herzen in Jesu Namen. That's the right, that's, you know, you've confused me now. I'm now speaking <laughs> to That means I greet you from my heart, in Jesus' name. Yeah, that's my journey. I, I work principally as a missionary. I used to be in Egypt. I was there for nine years. My wife was there for six years. That's Kiaka. People struggle with this name. At our wedding, the pastor called her Dix. <laughs> <laughs> her name is Beata. That's how we, that's my family. So we met in Egypt as missionaries, and uh, then we moved to Germany about 15 years ago. Um, I still travel North Africa. I traveled until 2019. I told you to make a wonderful time when the pandemic broke out. I stopped traveling. I will resume next month. Uh, next month we are going, uh, I am going to uh, Emirates. So, I, so what we do is mission work among the Arabs. That's really our heart. But in 2020, we started a small church uh, because I really enjoy fellowship. I believe in the church. You know, I believe in the church. I believe the church is God's heart. The church is a, it's the most beautiful thing on earth. People don't know that. You have to be spiritual to know that. You look into the earth, the church is the most beautiful structure on earth. The church has the mission to bring life to the earth. So we must celebrate the church. Small communities, big communities, as long as we come together in the name of Jesus, God's purpose. God's instrument on earth. So I'm happy to have my wife here, my daughter, Edith, Abigail. That's the second Abigail. <laughs> um, I always talked about this place, how it was before you came, came and I came here. And I wanted them to see. So we're happy to be here. Um, I think I will share my word and I trust you'll be blessed. Amen? I trust you'll be blessed. Father, I thank you for the gift of your word. I thank you because the entrance of your word brings light and understanding to the simple. So I pray this, this afternoon that your word will come into our hearts and you bring light and revelation and clarity in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Good. 
Um, I want to read a word, and incidentally, when you're taking the communion, it's really a partnership with God. In John chapter 6, when Jesus began sharing the excellence of his faith, he said, I am the bread of life. When he began to share, what happened was the church left. I mean, the people left. The Bible says they never came back. They didn't leave for a week. It was so offensive. Their part of the gospel was so offensive. So they left. And he turned to his disciples and said, why, why are you still here? Why don't you leave? And Peter said to him, have the word of life. That is the essence of the gospel. The two things to the gospel, especially when we remember the death of Jesus, is what we talked about most of this morning. How he saved us from death. How he died on the cross. Took the sins of the world Bible actually said he became sin. He became sin. He didn't just take sin upon himself. He became sin and died. And that set us free. And we must celebrate that, remember that, and rejoice in it all because he took our sins away. He took the wrath of God away. But there's a second thing to Christianity, and I think that is what's so important is when I came here to Christine, I felt the world was terrible because it was cold. It's very Christine. <laughs> <You're laughing. laughs> that was 2016. I thought it was crazy, man. So what do I think now? <laughs> He took our sins away. And terrible things are happening in the world now. So I want to just share a few things, just a few things that I believe will bring clarity and prepare us for the days that are coming. There are two ways to view Christianity. You could view Christianity as Jesus came, died, and paid the price for my sins. And I live in this world, and someday I'm going to die, and I'll be with him in heaven. That's classical. That's how we understand. That's how I understood the faith as a child. He died, he took my sins, and saved me from going to hell. And one day I'll be with him in heaven. And that's really true. And we must always, I, I need, before I say what I have to say, I... I want you to truly appreciate that. It's not something you're going to put aside and say, oh, it's not important. I want you to appreciate it. I want you to every day sing about it, praise God. And each time we come together, we, we take the communion and remember this thing, this big sacrifice that he set us free. He justified us. He gave us righteousness. He made us free from death. 
from God's judgment. But there is a second part to Christianity. Easter is, is one good celebration that shows these two parts. The first part is the death of Christ on the cross. How he was buried and that took care of our sins. That set us free. Whenever I think about us being free, I think maybe I get this image, a man who has been in prison for maybe 40 years. 40 years is a long time. And maybe, you know, not the kind of prisons we have today. I mean, prison, prison where they lock you away. <laughs> and then you come out free after 40 years. And you come into town. You're free. But what can you do? You're lost. I mean, the society has moved on. Things have changed. I mean, like in today's world, you have this laptop, computers, everything. Things have radically changed. You're free. What use is that? There are people who return to prison. They're still better in prison. <laughs> because you can't cope with society. So Jesus set us free. It's good that we are free. But there is a life ahead. That's another issue. Because when you come out of prison, you need to cope with life. You need to succeed. You need to move ahead. You need to really compete with society. So there are two sides to Christianity. There's the part that Jesus set us free from sin, from death. Our eternal judgment has always been taken care of. And we are free. But there's another side to Christianity. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Amen? He gave us life. Eternal life. I want to focus on that aspect. That he gave us life. Moses presented God in Genesis. He says, in the beginning was, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He presented what he did. That's how he introduced God. The beginning of many things, the beginning of marriage, the beginning of all things, the beginning of the creation of the earth, the beginning of so many things. But he described God, he presented God in terms of his actions. He created the world. He did this. He did that. He did. And that became the character of the Old Testament. It was something that presented God by his actions and kind of demanded certain actions from us. So we knew God by his deeds. But John came and he presented God from a totally different perspective using the same words. He said, in the beginning, was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. He said everything you see here came from the word. Then he made this statement. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. In this word was life. 
in the word of God, it encapsulates life, eternal life, in the word. And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And when we touched him and saw him, we could only confess that this is God. John is an interesting person. He describes himself as the one God loves. You know, <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, he felt the impact of Jesus that he described himself the one Jesus loves. <laughs> and I'm thinking, doesn't Jesus love Peter? <laughs> I mean, that's the feeling. He writes a, the whole, his own gospel. He doesn't say, my name is John. I went there and I did this, I did that. He never called himself in that gospel. He just said, the one Jesus loves. And you're thinking, Jesus is partial. Like Jesus. See, now I'm speaking German. Like. <laughs> Maybe Jesus is like Jacob. Twelve sons and he loved Joseph. <laughs> oh, so, but is that the case? He felt the impact of Jesus' love. He, he felt like he was the only one. Do you know that with God, that if, if you were the only one, God would still love you. He felt like this love was so strong, he loves me. So that became his identity, the one Jesus loved. I pray you will feel that way. I pray you will be the one Jesus loves. In this world where there's so many people feeling unworthy, feeling all kinds of things, you will feel the impact of his love. And you will say, I am the one that God loves. When the Bible says, for God so loved the world, it is, for God so loved me. That he sent his only begotten son to die for me. He said, this one that Jesus loves. Much later, in fact, it's so interesting, when Jesus died and rose, they couldn't identify him. That's part of the new life that Jesus had. He had the ability to conceal his identity. That he was walking with friends that have seen him for so many years. I mean, they saw him, they, he's preaching daily, everything, and they were walking with him on a long journey somewhere, and they did not recognize him. And they were walking with him, talking with him and everything. And then they came home, sat down to eat, and he broke bread, and then their eyes opened. Oh, that's Jesus. And they were telling him, where have you been? You don't know what happened? Where have you been? Jesus Christ of Nazareth that did so much wonder, so much miracles. I mean, where have you been? You don't know him? <laughs> and they did not recognize him. Incredible. Then they came to the communion and their eyes were open. And I pray every time we take this communion that our eyes will open. That we may see what has been closed, hidden from us. Your eyes are open. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when Jesus died, he gave us life. 
The deck of one aspect seems to have washed away. But a new aspect, which is represented on an Easter, has arisen up. Actually, Christianity, as it is, is the resurrection. Now, the death is so important because G God is so holy. He cannot behold sin. The Bible says Jesus hanging on the cross, God turned his back on him. And he became sin. God cannot behold sin. So it was necessary for Jesus to die and to take away sin. That God may give his life. To give his Zoe, his life, the same life that God has. Remember I told you in the beginning was the word. The word was with God, the word was God. And he said in him was life. The life was inside of him. That same life that was in the word that made the word God is what was given to us. It's not the life we had before. The former life was Effie. The Bible talks about the first Adam. The first Adam was created, he was earthy. He came from the earth. The second Adam is from heaven. He doesn't belong to the earth. He's alien to the earth. That's a new thing we are confronting now. Everybody's seen aliens. <laughs> really, it's time of the aliens, and you are the first set of aliens. <laughs> He's not from the earth. He came from heaven. The second Adam is from above. He has no relationship with the world. This life is what is given to us. The eternal life of God. The same life that God has. The life that he lives in heaven is the life that has been given to us. That is Christianity. Christianity is way beyond your sins being forgiven way beyond. Now this is so important because you need this knowledge for today. If all you have as great as it is is your sins being forgiven you're not ready for today. You're not ready for today. The, the thief has come to steal to kill I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. That's what you need today. You need supernatural life to live today. Because what is coming against us, no natural man can handle. And God saw this. 
That's why he sent Jesus and he's speaking to the church today. It's about life. It's about abundant life. The supernatural life. Now these things I'm talking are the answers I got. I started getting when I thought when I was in crazy 2015. Because I thought we were crazy then. I thought the world was crazy then. I began to ask questions. Uh, where's the church going? What's the church supposed to do? What are we as Christians supposed to do? Look at the world raging. It's like everything is choking. It's like there's no space anymore to live freely. There's no space to express the life of God, to be a Christian. The world is just getting darker and darker. So I said, well, how are we going to live? And sometimes you almost break into fear. Because you look, you can't see. It's all darkness. You look at the landscape, it's all darkness. It's all evil here, there, here. You just, you almost don't want to listen to the news. Then God gave me this that I've come for life. I've come for life. He gave every Christian the gift of eternal life. Don't forget that. It's the same scripture. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. That's what he gave us. One thing, he gave us his life. The Bible says we are born of him. The incorruptible seed is what gave birth to us. The word of life. I read from 1 John. There's another scripture here. Here's John. John is a very interesting man. If you're reading John the Gospel, and then you read 1 John, you see two sets of people. I mean, John is like, I mean, he, in, in the Gospel, he's one of the disciples Jesus refers to as, children, have you got food? Children, have you got food? I mean, <laughs> Jesus is only 33. Or he was only 33. And he's calling them children. Have you got food? And then he told them, cast the net on the other side. And when they caught it, oh, that's the sign of the master. There's always food when he's around. <laughs> that's, that's, they just recognized him. That is the master. Nobody does that. That is the master. They recognized him. But he called them children. And in 1 John, he's an old man. He refers to the rest of church, the church as he calls us children. Why does he call us children? It's so, it's so important that we know things. Because I just talked about Moses. When Moses was going away, he, it was really strange when you get the picture. All the people in his generation were dead. All. Miriam gone, Aaron gone. All the old guys were dead. I mean, you're looking at a whole town of people, and there's just one old man. 
really old now, 120 years old. There's no one of us that old. So they're all dead. Except for Aaron, I mean, what is it, Caleb and Joshua, who were about 40 years younger. And so everybody was like, show them to me. And that's how you read Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is a, is a father talking to his children. That's what Deuteronomy is. It's called the law of the second like a father saying, hey, I'm going away now. I'm going away. My brother, listen. Remember, you begin to tell them all the things you told them 50 times before. Have you ever had parents tell you that? The things they have told you to it, mama, I've had it. Mama, yeah, it's enough. So everything he says in Deuteronomy, he has said it before. In Leviticus, in Numbers, in Exodus, he has said almost everything. But now he wants to go away. And they have suffered in the book of Numbers a serious catastrophe. A whole generation died in the wilderness. Paul wants us to remember that. That though they were saved from Egypt, they died in the wilderness. That was something that left a mark on Moses. To be the only old man in town. Francis is gone. Dominic is gone. Everyone in your generation is gone. And you know why? promised land is before you. So he calls them, his children. Listen. Listen. This is where you go. When you go there, you must know this. That's what, that's what Deuteronomy is about. When you go this way, see what he has done? <laughs> it's called the law a second time. Because there's a good chance that you have seen all these things, yet you forget. And that's what happened. They forgot the goodness of God. They forgot the mercies of God. They forgot the salvation of God. They forgot all the great things he had done. the actions of God. The Bible says they knew the works of God. They knew the actions of God. But they didn't know God. They did not know God. They just knew his salvation. They knew his miracles. They knew his wonders. They knew all that he did for them. They could cry out and he would answer. They just knew the actions of God. But they didn't know God. So here is John writing to us in 1 John chapter 5. And I pray that if you, when you leave this room, that you will get this seed. It's just a seed, what I'm sharing today. 
is just a seed. But hold tightly. Don't let the enemy take this word away. Amen? First John chapter 5. First John 5. Um, I have a new Bible today. It came from from Emmanuel. <laughs> so I, I have to look for my Bible. First John chapter 5. Verse 11, thank you. Uh, it says, and this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. Now, this is the elder speaking to the church. This is the old John now speaking to the church. And this is what he says. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his son. You remember he said it in, in John? In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was God. And he said that life was in the word. Now he's repeating it. God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his son. It's so important to know that this life is in his son. Because you received the son. And if you receive the Son, then you have this life. Because this life is so, it's so hard to imagine that you have it. When we describe eternal life, you will think you don't have it. You will think, oh, that is the life, that is Jesus' life, that is the life from somebody. You can't believe you have it. So he says, this is the testimony that he has given us eternal life. And in case you're wondering, where is this eternal life? It is in his son. The same son you received. When you believe the gospel and receive the son in your heart, that's what you receive. Eternal life, not something new. We're not looking for a new life to come. We have it. Say, I have it. You have it. God is not giving us this life. We're not crying out. We're not crying. God, give us life. We don't cry again. It's not, it's not in the future. We're not waiting to have this life. We have it. We have this life. Because I'm going to describe it. When I describe it, you think you don't have it. It's so magnificent, you will think you don't have. But remember, the treasure is in earthen vessels. So you will think, now this is the situation they are in. Because he's an elder, just like Moses was an elder, and they had come to the verge of the promised land, and he knows he's not going in. And he begins to remind them, all the wonderful things that God has spoken to them. He begins to remind them. John is in the same position. He's an old man now. And he's pouring his heart out to the church. He says, 
Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. So it's clear this life is not just biological. It's not the life you're breathing. You need to know this. That every man lives forever. I hope you know that. Every man lives forever. That's a fact. All people live forever. You, um, Pastor Emmanuel just said the Bible is a spiritual book. You don't understand it with your intelligence. You just read it now. It's not a book you leave with like literature, Shakespeare, and then you understand and you can talk like a prop. It's a book that needs revelation to understand. Every man lives forever. When you die, just walk out of your body and you go on living. It depends on where you're living. But if you're living, your soul will be alive. Those things you see in movies and see a person come out of the dead and walk out of it, it's very preventive. It's not true. You just leave your body, you're still living, but you're not relating with the world anymore. You can't touch, your senses are dead. You cannot touch, you cannot contribute to society. You cannot touch anything. You, you're there, but you're not part of the world anymore. You just drifted out of your body, but you keep on living. Get that fact. So eternal life doesn't mean living after you're dead. You need to understand this. As a young man, I used to think eternal life was life after death. Eternal life is not life after death. All men live after death. That's why God gave us eternal life. Because when we have it, and when we die, because we have it, we live with him. We Christians, we, we live with him. That's the promise. Our great promise is not being in heaven. Our great promise is being with him. Because Jesus makes heaven heaven. You get that? He makes heaven heaven. So we go, our great desire is to be with him. And like Emmanuel said this morning, the ultimate aim is that we become a reflection of him. That's the ultimate aim. That's where I'm going. That we become a reflection of him. So eternal life is what he gives to us. So you say, I have it. Just say it, I have it. You don't have to be a bishop to have it. Quite frankly, that's it. That's why John reminded us. He said, if you have the Son, if you receive the Son in your heart, then you have eternal life. It's not something you're going to have because you fasted or because you prayed. It's because you already have Jesus in your life. So you have eternal life. You're ready for tomorrow because you have eternal life. It's in you. That's what he gave to us. 
That's what he gave. That is his great gift to us. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. He gave us that gift. The most precious gift you can ever get. That is the life of God in man. Emmanuel. That's the right name. The life of God in man. That is the glory of Christianity. That God found a way through the Holy Spirit to live in all of his children. In all of his children. Big, small, doesn't matter. He lives in all of us. But why does John write this book? Let's read further. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. It's funny. I write these things to you. This is why I'm writing these things to you. That you may know. That you may know. That's why he's writing it. Because there's a great possibility that you have it and don't know. You get it? That's why he's right. I mean, this is his letter. An elder. All the other guys are gone. You know, Peter and the rest, they are gone. And he's like Moses. He's like the only father of that generation of 12 that used to be with Jesus that is alive. His days are close, too. He must go. But he's seen certain things in the church. People who act as though they don't know they don't know but they're not going to allow and you have something that you don't know you have my people die for want of knowledge he says you are gods but you die like men that's what he says you are gods but you will die like men. In 1 Corinthians, he says, you act like mere men. I see among you your attitude. You, you act like, like you're an ordinary man. You're not an ordinary man. You're a Christian. That's different. You're from heaven. And so you must not act like the natural man. That's what Paul says in Corinthians. We must not act like men. We are not limited to men and their capacities and their abilities. We are not limited. There is something in us that is from God. Because the ultimate desire of God is that this thing finds expression through us. That we will become gods on the earth like Jesus. That's the aim of Christianity. For these times, when the devil is producing giants in the earth, God is producing his trumpet. For the earnest manifestation of all creation, I mean for the earnest expectation of all creation is for the manifestation of the sons of God on earth. And who are the sons of God? You. We are the sons of God. 
We are born of God. You know, dogs don't give birth to cats. You know that. So if we are born of God, we have the nature of God. That's who we are. We need to get this elementary foundational identity. That is primarily who we are. When we become Christians, we become, we have the life of God in earthen form. The old life is passed away. That's what the Bible says. The old life died with Jesus on the cross for the truth of sin. So we put away the old life. Let's read it. Romans 6. Romans chapter 6. Bring it up. Romans 6 from verse. Let's start from verse 6. It says, We know that our old self was crucified with him. You see? In order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we will no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, did you get it? So we died with him. The old man that was earthy is dead. He doesn't exist anymore. The Bible says, if we're in Christ Jesus, behold, look carefully. All things are new. And everything, every old thing is gone. That old man that used to be a man is dead. You're more than a free man. You're a new man. A Christian is more than a free man. You needed to be free to have this life. Like two sides of a coin. Jesus had to die on the cross to take our sins away and set us free that we may have this life. But in this day, our focus is not on being set free. Our focus is on the life because the times we live in require that we demonstrate the life of God. You get it? The times that we live in require that we demonstrate the life of God. That's why we are born. That's why we're here at this time. Not 20 years ago. Not 40 years ago. We are born for today. For the problems of today. For the difficulties of today. That's why we are born. For today. That's why this understanding is coming. It's not about being forgiven. You know, you know the story of the prodigal son. The older brother had his own story. When he saw how the father lavished his love on the younger one, he turned to the father and said, you've never done this for me. I've been laboring here. I've been working here. You've never done this for me. And the father said, I don't have to do it for you. It was all yours in the first place. You can do it for yourself. It was yours. Just take it and just leave on. He needed to have the right mindset. He's not like the other son. 
He's always been in the house. Everything belongs to him. He doesn't need to ask the father. He just takes it. He's his own. That's why he was walking, but he didn't know. We are sons of God. That's who we are. Don't run out of here. I'm a son of God. And no, you have a lot to learn about who you are. That's your next challenge for life. That you begin to learn what the son of God is. I'll give you some qualities that hard to believe. And I told you, if I told you you have eternal life, you would not believe. That's why John wrote. John wrote that you may know that you have it. Because you would not think you have it. So the thing I'm about to describe does not look like you in your eyes. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't look like you. That's why the Bible says the word of God is like a mirror. We look at it. And what do we see in the mirror? Who do you see in the mirror? Yourself. In other words, what you see in the world is you. What you think is you is not you. Do you get it? This is you. This is not you. Do you get it? This is you. What is written here is you. What is here right now is not you. What is here is you. The weapons of our warfare, they are not but they are mighty through God to pulling down what is here so that you can be what is here. Amen? So I want to describe who we are. Don't protest. If it doesn't look like you, that's why you came to church. <laughs> the ladies understand this. They don't go out without looking at the mirror. You know, ladies don't go out without. <laughs> I wanted to say hi to Manuel because he came back and we were sleeping. So I went. I couldn't even try my wife. So I went to my daughter. I said, I don't want to go there. Well, let's just go. I mean, I can go alone, but it's nice if you go as a family. Let's go up and say hi to Manuel. <laughs> I didn't want to try my wife because that would take another one hour. The mirror. <laughs> but my daughter has learned the trade too. Papa, I'm coming. <laughs> when she uh, did this, did that. Did <laughs> so, ladies, understand the mirror, the value. Through the mirror, you transform. I'll just describe how Jesus was. Because the Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world. Exactly like him. That is what we just said about what Satan does. He doesn't make us feel like that. He makes us feel like this. He's the accuser of the brethren. He keeps reminding you, telling you, this is who you are. 
That is who Jesus is. You are not Jesus. This is who you are. That's what he tells you. Jesus did that, but you don't. You do this. But we need to look at the word of God and get our identity because he is in us. The Bible says God was in Christ reconciling us to the world. To reconcile is not to bring two people together. Reconcile has to do with standards. You know, like you reconcile accounts. Well, accountants know how to reconcile. You know, there's certain expectations in the account. And the accountant, if you don't reconcile, you could end up tax the court, a criminal, you stole something. Because somehow the money that you show does not represent what's supposed to be there. The accountant comes looking, expecting a certain standard, and you have to prove. You have to show that all the money was put in place. And so if $200 was supposed to be left over, it must not be $15. It must be $200. So you have reconciled the account. Does that make sense? So reconciliation is not just bringing two people together. Reconciliation means to bring one person up to the standard of the other. Because God is just and perfect. He cannot lower his standards for you. So God was in Christ, reconciling the world, lifting up the world to his standards. Did you get it? He was in the world. Lifting us to be exactly like him. So that we walk like him, we talk like him, we act like him. That's who we are. Hard to believe, but that's who we are. And so we have to start talking to ourselves. Because faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word. We have to exchange, we have to change our language. And begin to speak to ourselves our true identity. The enemy speaks to us, tells us, you cannot do this, you cannot do that, you cannot be this, you cannot be that. So we begin to talk to one another. We have to find words to talk to one another. We have to find words. That's why you do Bible study. That's why you study the Bible. Because you must find words. Ecclesiastes says the preacher sought to find acceptable words. He had to find living words. He had to find a language that speaks life to the depressed, that speaks life to the confused, that gives identity to the weak. We have to find words. We cannot listen to news and what they say. We have to find words and speak to one another because the power is in the word. The life is in the word. The word of God is the life of God. And that's what he has put in our mouth. Rema is not what God says. Rema is the word of God on the human lips. That's Rema. So we speak Rema one to another. We pick words here and we recite it. We speak words here and we recite it. I call the, this is who you are. When I see Emmanuel, this is who I'm talking about. This is the Emmanuel I'm dealing with. And when he seems to want to go, I pull him up to this standard. This is the standard of our house. This. This is who we are. The word of God. 
is who we are. We are the word of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. Satan told Job, listen, he told God, in this territory, nobody can be righteous. God said, no, in this territory, somebody can be righteous. That's what Satan is saying. When we die, we can be nice in heaven. Every, we all believe everything can be in heaven. In heaven, we will not be sick. In heaven, we will not die. In heaven, we will not be hungry. In heaven, we will not steal, not lie. But on earth, we'll still be sick, stealing, and lying. He is, so are we. So I sum up this because you get, I think you get what I'm saying. So the next challenge when you have these identities, how can you find words that you can use daily to build up yourself? There are three parts to a man. The most important part of a human being is his soul. I used to think. Now, the spirit is where the life of God comes in. But the soul is the defining part of man. See, the life of God is in the spirit. But the life of God can be in your spirit, and your soul does not live in you. You get it? So all the things must go through your soul. Romans 12, we have to renew. Because what I've said is true. Jesus is truly Jesus this moment in your soul. But your soul has to rise up to accommodate. Because your soul decides what you do. You get it? Your soul decides if you're going out or you're staying. So it's your soul. Your spirit may give the information. But it's your soul that decides. Your body may give information to your soul. You can be tired. Your body is tired, but your soul say like David, my soul, why are you cast down? Rise up. And then you find strength to run. Have you ever been tired and you don't want to go anywhere and then you still find strength to go again? That came from your soul. That came from your will. You had the will to push yourself when your body was weak. So though the body is weak, the soul can make the body strong. So when Jesus said, the spirit is willing, but the body is weak, the soul said, yeah, but I can make the body strong. I can make the body respond. I'm not going to give in. The soul is in charge. So we need the word of God to refurbish the soul, to make the soul stand up. To hold up the spirit and the life of God. That's why you have to read the word. And find words. You need to find words. The Bible is not the word. The Bible is the graphos. It's the written word. It contains things from different people. What is the word of God? The word of God is the message. The word of God is the message from God that reveals and communicates. The word of God is that communication, that impartation 
of divine reality into your mind, into your soul. That's the word of God. And so you read the Bible that you may find the word of God. You spend time with the word. You meditate that you may find that word. Like the man who found pearls. You know, pearls. He goes down searching for such treasures. You have to dig in the word to find the word. So, like Emmanuel said this morning, so I was trying difficult to read in the Bible because it's a spiritual book. You can read all of it and still not understand anything. And it happens with many people. You read the Bible, you still don't understand. Sometimes I listen to certain preachers, they speak, I say, wow, where did they get this from? I've been reading the same book for some time, I never found out. That's why God gave you the Holy Spirit. I close with this. The Holy Spirit is not the word of God. Think of it. The word of God is different from the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost helps us to understand the word. Helps us to find the word. That's why you can be filled with the Holy Ghost and still go down. When they wanted to select the deacon, Peter said they must be filled with the Holy Spirit and what? Wisdom. <laughs> because they could be filled with the Holy Ghost and do dumb things. The Holy Ghost is not the word. It helps you. It brings you in remembrance. It brings the word to your remembrance. You need the word in your soul. Then the Holy Ghost uses the word to remind you to show you things from the word. So we all have the responsibility to find words that the spirit can breathe upon and give us life. This is our future and we all have that potential to find words. If you seek, you will find. There are words here that will bring health to your bones. That's what Proverbs says. The word of God is medicine to your bones. My wife, after our daughter was born, had high blood pressure. You know? And so she's searching for all of those certain words. And medicine is not for the word. When you go to the doctor, they change it and give you another one. You know that's what doctors do. They, they promote you from the lower medicine to the higher medicine. <laughs> And they just keep giving you medicines and you take and you, you're just managing the blood pressure. And each time I saw her swallow those things, it began to kill me. And I tried to give her this. Listen, let's do this. Let's do. It became our fight. So one time she listened to so many messages and got courage and, and decided, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to take this, this medicine. Because these things have side effects. And we're seeing the side effects. You know, all these things always, they always have side effects. And after 13 years, you will begin to see the side effects. 
and you dread the side effects as much as you dread the disease itself. And so now we have reached that point where we, we don't want either of them. We don't want the, we don't want the disease. We don't want the side effects. And here she has cried. And this day she called me. the word of God is medicine. She went through that crisis, that period, and after a while, she kept on studying, kept on reading, kept on studying, kept on studying. I couldn't tell her, don't because the Bible says it's not my body which shall die. I'm not the one to decide. To meditate on the word doesn't mean to think on the word. It means to sit on the word. Friends, you have to learn to sit on the word. To have the word. When you say, by his stripes, I have been made whole. It doesn't mean the pain is going away that moment. But you must learn to sit on the word. You get it? That's what meditation means. This is difficult, I must tell you. I'm preaching to the choir. This is our lifetime's work. God told Joshua, this book of the law must not be forgotten. You must meditate in it, in it day and night. You must speak. Because God created the world by speaking. Paul says, we believe, so we speak. This is your weapon. The Bible says Jesus comes out with a sword in his mouth. That's what he tears the enemy with a sword in his mouth. The sword of God is in your mouth. The sword of the spirit. So you speak. You're Americans. You're, not, you're known all over the world for speaking. Yeah, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's American. I mean, when you see the German, the German is like, The American is different. He's always talking. I mean, you can't tell him. You can't tell him to shut up. <laughs> That's a good quality, especially if you're in Christ. You're speaking the word of God. The Bible says wisdom cries from the rooftop. Early in the morning, he's speaking nonstop. God is always speaking. So the righteous must speak all the time. The words of God. Learn that. That's your fight for the coming future, for the days that are coming. That you pick the word of God and begin to speak it and speak it and speak it until it forms your identity. Because your soul must match up to your spirit. Your spirit is, is Christ is fully in your spirit. It's fully there, not a part of him. All of him is in your spirit. But your soul has to rise up to that reality. That's your challenge in these days. So make this book your friend. Spend time with people who love to win people. 
find friends that love to read the Bible, and you find friends that don't love to read the Bible, you're in trouble. I'm serious. I'm not, it's not, it's, it's the reality. It's the truth. Blessed is the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord. In it does he meditate day and night. Amen? You have to find friends and find people that make the Bible a central part of your life and treasure. Maybe a small book, but it has information that will set you on top of the mountain. Amen? That's our challenge for these days that are coming. Since God revealed this to you, I become more confident. Because there's another world beside the world they are trying to present to us. It's like a movie. You know this movie, too? You know when you're going to a movie, they're doing a show now. When you're going to a movie, they can, in one moment, you get these characters that make, they can change this place and you think you're in a golf course. And you are here. You know they can do that. You can act a whole scene in one room. And you get the impression you're somewhere else. That's what is happening. They're creating a fake world for you. And you have the world of truth in the Bible. And you have to use the word of God to create the world that you need. That's what Hebrews 11 is talking about. I used to read Hebrews 11 thinking that God created the world by faith. No. He said the worlds, the aeons, the times, the seasons, like the world of football, the world of sports, the world, this, the world was created by these men. They used the word of God to create the world. Abel created a world by the word of God. Noah created his world by the word of God. Abraham created a city whose builder is God. That had foundations and his builder and maker is God. By his word, he created that city. And so you can create a world. And it's real. It's not fantasy. It's the world of faith. It's reality. It has more substance than their world. Their world will collapse, but your world will live forever. So you better start building with your world. Amen? Build a house on the rock that you may live in the times when the storms come because the storms are coming and your house must be well built by your own hands. A wise man builds. A wise woman builds a house. A foolish one destroys it. Wisdom always builds. Amen? So you're a builder. Paul says, I'm a wise master builder. I build. We're all builders. We have the word of God in our mouth. We build. So you're going to go out and begin to build. And we'll build and raise a new generation of people that will have the glory of God in the the enemy cannot do anything about it. That's what the Bible says. It says the people of this world cannot comprehend. The gates of the enemy will not prevail because you have built your house on the rock, which is the word of God. Amen? Now, everybody can do this. Everybody. Amen? Everyone sitting in this room, 
Hallelujah. Let's, let's just rise up and bless the Lord. Rise up and bless him. I'm not speaking about something for somebody else. As long as you have Jesus in you, you can do this. That's what John says. I speak these things that you will not grapple to have eternal life. That you may know that it's there because you receive Jesus in your heart. It's there. You're not grappling to find something. It's there in you. And nothing can take that away from you. So you better start building. Amen? Say, I will build. I will build. I have the strength. I have the wisdom. I have the capacity to build. Amen? So I will build. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. Lift up your hands and just bless him. Bless him for giving you what he has given you already. Bless him. He has given you life. He has given you his life. He said, my life I give to you. He has given you his life. That Christ may be formed in you. That the word of God may dwell richly in you. That your whole mindset will be built by the word of God. May you develop the mindset of the righteous. The fixed mindset of the righteous. You cannot be defeated. You are a victor in all that you do. Everything you lay your hands to do works. Because you are a success. If he won, you win. If Jesus wins, if Jesus is a winner, you are a winner in the name of Jesus. So build up that identity. Build it up in the word of God. Build it up. Be patient and build it up. Be patient and read and study and pray and hang out with the right people. Hang out with the right people. Don't hang out with the wrong people. If they don't speak this word, if they speak not according to this word, the spirit is not in them. Find your friends. Find people of faith. And encourage yourself in the word of God. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you for these wonderful people. They have ears that can hear. They have eyes that can see. Because you opened their eyes to see. You gave them the patience, the heart to identify your word. And they know by the spirit that is in them that you have spoken to them. Father, I thank you. I thank you because it's not by the arm of flesh, but by your spirit. He said, none shall be weak among them. None. Father, I thank you, none shall be feeble among them. Father, I thank you because all of these ones have heard this word. The word will bear fruit in their life. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. It was a good